people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, today we have Jessica Nagra. She's the Director of Public Affairs at Dialysis Patient Citizens, where she handles the communication strategy, and she works to really make sure that the regulatory issues that are impacting kidney patients are friendly for us because, you know, it all starts at regulatory and federal levels of making policies for us. So welcome to the show, Jessica. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, you know, healthcare reform has been a constant debate throughout the country for many years, and it's going to take place in 2014 where there's going to be exchanges. And can you explain a little bit about the basics of healthcare reform? Sure. Um, it's true. Since 2010, when the law was first passed, um, there has been a lot of debate even before that about what's really going to go into the bill and, and how it's really going to affect people. But the, the aim of the ACA was originally to decrease the number of uninsured Americans and to reduce the overall cost of healthcare. That was sort of what the bill was, was set out to do. And it does that through various ways. Um, primarily, everyone is now required to have health insurance. That was sort of the most controversial part of the bill, um, but there is a called an individual mandate, and everyone is now required to carry some sort of insurance. In order to make that accessible and affordable to most people, um, they're sort of setting up two different systems. States now have the ability to expand their Medicaid program, mm-hmm. and that's a state and federal program set up right now for low-income individuals, and so many more people will now be able to qualify for Medicaid and get insurance through that. Now, um, let, me, let me ask a question about that, because um, if you have ESRD and, you know, you basically have access to Medicare, would this basically be for people who don't have access to Medicare, that if they're lower income and let's say they have a kidney stone or they have some kind of issue with, that's impacting them, they'll have access to get into the state Medicaid or Medi-Cal program? Correct. It will help those who are um, ESRD patients who have Medicare but need help paying for the Medicare premiums, the extra amount oh, okay. that you're required to pay for. Um, but it will be even more beneficial probably to those who are CKD patients or transplant patients right. who no longer have Medicare coverage but are now need other forms of health insurance. Um, this will now greatly increase their ability to have comprehensive health care coverage. And this will be available to people who have a certain income level, correct? It is. It's uh, individuals who have up to 138% of the federal poverty line. Um, so that's about $15,000 for an individual um, and about twenty-five dollars or $30,000 for a family of three or four people. But it does depend. States have the option to do it, and some states are reluctant to make this expansion. So depending on where you live, um, this might not be an option for you, unfortunately. Yeah, I was looking at it, and a lot of states have decided they don't want to do this yet. <laughs> so it really depends where you live. I mean, the state of California, where I live, is moving forward with this. But in other states, they're like, well, I think we're going to wait and see. So it's going to be kind of interesting how the next years roll out and what happens with it. It definitely will. There's a lot of states that for political reasons and then for financial reasons, um, thinks that they can't really take on. It's a lot more people that will be on the state roll, sort of state insurance. And and they're worried because they don't have enough money to pay for the services they have. 
Exactly. Um, the federal government will be providing most of the financial support for this new expansion, but it still will mean a large state commitment, um, and states are having a hard time, some of them having a hard time deciding whether to take on this on or not. So um, for people who aren't um, in the poverty level, uh, talk a little bit of how the exchanges will work for people who have kidney disease. Yeah, the exchanges should should they'll also be state-based. Um, so each state will run their own. And they're going to work sort of the way Priceline.com or Travelocity work today. Uh, there'll be a website. Um, there'll also be a phone number, and you can go in person. And you're basically going to plug in your name, your family status, your income level, um, and it will sort of spit out to you your health insurance options. Um, so it should be a much easier way for consumers to find what kind of health insurance they want. And then every plan in these exchanges and even plans that won't be sold through these marketplaces, will have what's called um, a set of minimum essential health benefits. Right. So every plan will now have a set of sort of a, a minimum standard of coverage that, that the government thinks is sort of the basis um, for a comprehensive health care plan. Um, and so it'll help people know what areas of coverage they're receiving. And then if you're looking at different plans, it'll be easier to sort of judge what extra benefits you're getting or price differences because everything will sort of have a, a, a similar basis and a similar floor level. Um, so consumers will have a better chance of sort of looking at different plans and saying, oh, well, this one's a little bit cheaper, or this one gives me a few more benefits on top of this minimum coverage. Well, and it's interesting that you say essential health benefits, because uh, dialysis is essential for life. <laughs> and so can you explain how they define essential health benefits for people with kidney disease? Sure. The federal government, when they set up this law, um, decided to sort of work with the states and make it flexible for states. So again, this is something that will differ from state to state. Um, but what they said was, pick a plan, a health insurance plan that exists in your state right now, and look at what benefits that plan covers. And that will sort of form the basis of this essential health benefits. However, there are also 10 categories that the federal government laid out that should be included. One of them is preventive and wellness services and chronic disease management. So that is most likely where CKD or dialysis care will be included. We're, I know, in our office looking at each of the plans that each state chose um, to mm -hmm. make sure that they cover dialysis and that they cover transplantation and they cover immunosuppressive drugs. So we have faith that every plan will cover those services, um, but we're going to be working to make sure next year as all of this is finalized that they definitely do. Well, you know, when I speak with legislators, and a lot of times they don't understand that dialysis is an emergency. You know, you have to explain that you need dialysis at a minimum three times a week. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but not everybody has the knowledge of kidney disease like we do. So it's so important for patients to, you know, educate their lawmakers and their friends and family, like, look, I can't go without a treatment. <laughs> um, and it is essential for my life, which... You know, you think everybody understands how kidneys work and if they don't work, what you need. But unfortunately, not everybody does. <laughs> That's very true. And, and it's a great opportunity for everyone to, to get involved and to contact your state lawmakers or talk to your, um, your neighbors in your community about the importance of this because there is a lot of opportunity for public input as these plans are being put together. Now, um, so when the essential health benefits start rolling forward and now, each state has to apply to essential health benefits. They may not have to apply the, the Medicare, Medicaid aspect, but everybody will have access in 2014, correct, to insurance exchanges? Yes. And how will this help people with uh, CKD or, you know, if they're on dialysis or if they have a transplant? How will it benefit them from today? Sure. 
if you're ESRD and you're a Medicare beneficiary, um, you probably won't need to go into these exchanges um, for insurance because you have Medicare coverage. But if you're looking for supplemental insurance, um, you will know that, that these benefits are laid out there for you. If you are a Medicare patient, there are good things that, that this bill does for Medicare. But if you're CKD or you're a transplant patient, um, I think the biggest thing that's going to be a, a positive for, for you all is that you are now guaranteed health insurance. Um, they can no longer deny coverage for pre-existing conditions. Um, so if you are an ESRD patient on Medicare and you get a transplant and you lose your Medicare coverage, you're now guaranteed that you will be able to buy health insurance. Um, insurance companies cannot discriminate. Um, there also are not lifetime caps on coverage. You won't run into an annual dollar limit. Um, so it will really broaden the ability and the availability of insurance to people who have chronic diseases, and not just CKD if you have diabetes um, or you have uh, a heart condition. Um, you know, those bad sort of practices of the insurance industry that, that have really tried to, to push sicker people out of the market. Oh, um, I know that story. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that hopefully won't be able to, to, go, to happen any longer. Um, they've, they've set some really great patient protections into these plans. So you have a little bit more peace of mind as you go through the stages of, of CKD, that you will have health insurance and health coverage that, that will help you manage that. Well, when you have Medicare and you're on dialysis, will this help? Will you have access to the exchanges for secondary insurance? Because that seems to be one of the big issues. I mean, there are some patients out there who don't qualify for the poverty line. And then how do you end up paying the secondary insurance? Because it's hard to get a secondary payer. And so has the government thought about this with exchanges for people who need that additional 20% coverage? They definitely have. Um, and we've, we've, we're still a work in progress a bit. Um, but we found out in March um, there's a, a protection put in place right now called Medicare Secondary Payer. And it means that if you are a patient and you have private insurance and you get diagnosed with ESRD and you go on Medicare, you have 30 months for your private insurance that you currently have can remain your primary payer, is what they call it. Um, and it gives you a little bit of a time to, to, to cope with the changes going on, to figure out if you have a family and their coverage needs to change um, before Medicare fully takes over. So when, yeah, so after 30 months, then it switches to Medicare. But let's say you don't have any other secondary coverage. I guess the exchanges can't solve everything because they can only pay a certain amount of money unless you go into a, a Medicare Advantage program. And will that be available to patients? Because I know some people who they have Medicare and they can't get a secondary coverage. Medicare Advantage plans um, will today are not really widely available for dialysis patients and, and still won't be. Um, we're hoping that Medigap plans that are offered right. in the states, um, we're, gonna, we're working on expanding and making sure every state offers those um, to dialysis patients. But you will, as a dialysis patient, have access to the exchanges, and you can buy secondary plans through the exchange. We're working to make sure that you have access to the, the tax credits and the premiums uh, subsidy support that everyone else will have access to in those exchanges. It's a little tricky and a little policy wonkish as to why right now dialysis patients on Medicare don't have access, but we are awaiting word sort of any day now from HHS to confirm that dialysis patients will have access to that support from the federal government to help you pay for secondary insurance. 
I know it's it's crazy because we're lucky we have Medicare, but then they think, oh, you you already have coverage, you don't need any help. And I'm like, well, have you have you seen a bill of dialysis and a transplant lately? <laughs> That's what you always explain to them. Like it's it's an ongoing care that you have the rest of your life. It's not a short amount of time, a couple of weeks, and it's over with. It's an ongoing. So really have to educate a lot of people about this. So, you know, one of the things I was interested about is that basically there'll be a website and you'll go in and will they be like a ton of choices or, you know, you go to a website and I remember Medicare Part D, you go in and you there was so many choices you didn't know which plan to like pick. What are some of the things that patients need to look for? Or maybe that's a further down the road conversation about, you know, going to a website and don't get that program because that's not good for patients. Will that be a possibility? Um, I think it should be less of a possibility. I think because of these minimum benefits and the new patient protections, um, there shouldn't be plans that are actually really bad for patients. Um, there is a chance if there are plans that have discriminatory policies, like we're only going to cover 10 dialysis treatments a year, um, there's a way for consumers to sort of report those to the government mm-hmm. and have those things dealt with. Um, so I don't think that there's going to be really plans that are anti-patient. Um, it'll depend on each state how they set up these marketplaces as to how many insurance plans are offered. Um, some of them are going to let anyone who qualifies to, to provide a plan into mm-hmm. the exchanges to do that. And some states have chosen to make it a much smaller market and have a fewer options for patient plans. Um, so that will be something we'll know more about next summer. Um, and, and I'd encourage everyone, as you sort of hear about these things, um, to learn what agency it is in your state and how to find information about your individual marketplaces. Now, one of the things I know that always concerns me is, you know, will co-pays go up? Or, I mean, I know that in the state of California, there was one insurance company that wanted $25 for every visit. And they weren't really thinking about, you know, somebody who needs 13 to 14 treatments at minimum per month. Is that a possibility, do you think, that as they roll out, they may put a copay on um, a, a treatment basis for patients? And is that something we're going to have to fight to have removed? It's a possibility. Uh, you know, they were hoping by making this individual mandate, they're hoping that more healthy people will come into the market so that the insurance costs won't rise as much now that all of the, you know, people with pre-existing conditions are also guaranteed insurance. But we don't really know. Uh, it, it's, we're really fundamentally reforming our insurance industry, and it will be interesting to see how it happens. So there is a chance that premiums will rise, um, that co-pays will rise, and we'll have to just sort of wait and see, and, and we might need to, to, to do some more work to keep those things in line so people really can afford the insurance coverage that they have. Well, you know, the devil's in the details, isn't it? And I've yet to see any policy move forward that has no glitches, you know? And so we're going to hear about little, you know, incidents that happen in the community, but it's really important for patients and family members if something's happening like this, you know, not to just like give up or, oh, I can't deal with it, is to let you know, somebody know, let, you know, let Renal Support Network know or Dialysis Patient Citizens know or this National Kidney Foundation, we're all advocating on your behalf and um, to, to get those stories out because we're such a small group that, you know, a couple of stories, if, you know, it's happening to a couple of people, it's happening to a lot of people. So it's really important to share your story. Well, tell us a little bit about, um, Jessica, a little bit about Dialysis Patient Citizens and if people want to get involved and, you know, 
basically how important it is for patients to be involved because we need to, um, you know, have a voice. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're a patient um, membership organization. We're based in Washington, D.C. Um, we're free for patients to join, which is really great. We've got about 24,000 um, dialysis and pre-dialysis patients and family members um, as members from across the whole country. And we're really dedicated to patient empowerment and education. Um, we focus a lot on the policy side of things. As I said, we're based in D.C., so we do both federal and state policy work on things like the ACA and Medicare and Medicaid. Um, but we really try and educate patients and empower patients so that they can be advocates for themselves. Um, so if you're interested in sort of the, the policy side of things, or you just want to be, you know, a great advocate in your center and, and start support groups or start helping to educate those around you, um, we really try and, and give our patients all the education they need to be better patients and better community members. I know, you know, knowledge is power. And I think one of the things I've been hearing, uh, you know, on different bulletin boards and hearing through patients that's a really scared, um, and not only patients, but just the community, like, you know, they're scared that health reform is happening. And, you know, what's going to happen to my health care? Am I going to lose services? Am I going to have to change my doctor? Am I going to have to change my dialysis facility? And, you know, am I, have to gonna, am I gonna have to change my transplant center? Do you think that may be a reality in the future or um, it'll probably be just the same as it's always been for Medicare beneficiaries? For Medicare beneficiaries, you're, you're probably okay. You know, I know that there's been a lot of talk and not a lot of good information out there about what this bill really means. Um, and certainly during the presidential election, there was a lot of talk of people pulling billions of dollars out of Medicare. But if you're a Medicare beneficiary, not much probably will change for you. If you switch insurance plans as a CKD or transplant or just general consumer, you'll probably have to deal with the same things that happen today with switching plans, making sure your doctors are in your network. But I think that with more people in the markets and, and more access to insurance, there'll be less of that need for, for turnover physicians. But it's just about, as you said, sort of keeping yourself informed um, and asking if you're thinking of changing insurance, asking your current dialysis provider, you know, what are my good options or what should I switch to or what do I need to, to worry about? And the great thing about um, this ACA bill is they're setting up in each state people called navigators. And they're going to be people that you can call and say, these are my questions and these are my concerns, and they will walk you through the insurance process. So there'll be a great amount of public outreach and public education about how this new bill is really going to affect people's individual health care. Well, yes, definitely somebody who has a chronic illness and who has had one her whole life. I can't imagine being able to have access to insurance with a pre-existing condition. When I heard that that went through and you will not be discriminated against and you will not have a lifetime cap, that is such a win for people with kidney disease. Pre-existing conditions for children right. that, you know, if, if you have chronic kidney disease as a, as a child, that you will be guaranteed insurance for the rest of your life is, is really a profound shift in this country. Well, and I was having this conversation the other day with somebody about this topic, and I'm like, you know, I was a pediatric patient who was able to move forward and get insurance and everything, but I wasn't skilled enough for many years to be able to get a job that would give me insurance. I mean, and that's the gap that younger people run into is that, you know, you, you have to acquire a certain amount of skills to get a good job to get insurance. And the fact that they're allowing, 
you know, children up to 26, they're not even children anymore, up to 26, to stay on their parents' plan or having access, if you don't have that luxury of being on your parents' plan, to have access to insurance so that, you know, you don't lose your transplant because you can't get medication or you don't get sick because you can't see a doctor. And it's so amazing because I'm very excited that this is going to happen. I think it's going to impact and help a lot of people. So it's exciting times. Now that everyone will have health insurance, hopefully more people will go and get physicals and get their kidneys checked well in advance of needing to be on dialysis. And hopefully it will help people better manage their chronic conditions sooner and prevent some of the, the progression that we've seen the last few years. No, I know. High blood pressure, I mean, all you can do is, you know, you you monitor it and you take your medication and you can prevent kidney failure. I mean, it's that simple if you take care of yourself by managing, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure, which are the two number one causes. So I'm very excited about it. Um, And Jessica, thank you so much for sharing such great information. I think this is going to really be tremendously helpful to the kidney community and their family and friends. So wonderful. And I look forward to, you know, the next stage when we come back and we have to report uh, other things about healthcare reform and what we need to do to be advocates. I would be happy to come back and fill you in next year on all the the great things as this moves forward. Okay, thank you very much, and um, have a great day. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 